Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Meredith. Today's episode is on the implementation of long-acting lipoglycopeptides for skin and soft tissue infections into practice. Featuring Dr. Kyle Molina, who is an infectious diseases and antimicrobial stewardship pharmacist at Scripps Green Hospital in La Jolla, California. Lysinazi discusses potential uses for long-acting lipoglycopeptides and factors to consider for implementation, such as justifying cost, targeting the right patient population, selecting between infusion locations, and maximizing institutional impact. Episode is taken from our series, Lose a Line, the Role of Long-Acting Lipoglycopeptides in Treating Acute Bacterial Skin and Skin Structure Infections. You can follow along with the slides, which are available in the show notes. Let's get started and listen to Dr. Molina. Welcome to the program titled Implementation of Long-Acting Lipoglycopeptides for Skin and Soft Tissue Infections into Practice. My name is Kyle Molina, and I'm an infectious disease clinical pharmacist at Scripps Green Hospital in La Jolla, California. So I wanted to begin this conversation talking about hospital admissions for skin and soft tissue infections. Hospitalizations for skin and soft tissue infections have doubled, and the costs have increased by over 100% between the period of 1998 and 2013. Admission for SSTI is associated with low mortality in less than 1% of patients. And to highlight just how rare life-threatening infections are, these only occur in roughly 6% of hospitalized patients. In many of these cases, administration of IV antibiotics is really the only reason that patients are admitted to the hospital, as shown by a study where 42% of patients actually had IV antibiotics as the only reason. This really correlates to over 500,000 hospital admissions that can be avoided in the U.S., and so there's a really large opportunity to improve healthcare efficiency, patient satisfaction, and decrease overall healthcare costs. One of the biggest factors driving unnecessary admission are concerns about patient adherence to oral therapies. In this study of 87 patients with confirmed staph aureus skin and soft tissue infection, patients were evaluated with their adherence to oral antibiotic therapies. In this study, patients were asked to self-report adherence to oral regimens and also were provided with medications which had an electronic bottle cap. Patient self-reported adherence to the oral regimen was 96%, but when you compare that to the data obtained from the electronic data caps, only 57% were actually adherent. 46% of participants had a poor clinical response after 30 days of follow-up. And in their multivariable analysis, lower adherence was actually an independent risk factor for poor clinical outcomes. When we look at PICC lines, 19% of patients using a PICC line in the outpatient setting actually experienced complications. These include occlusions, accidental withdrawals, PICC-related infections, venous thrombosis, and hematomas. And so there's a real need for routine maintenance of IV access, line care, and the knowledge of drug administration. All of these are additional costs on both the healthcare system and the patients. PICC lines account for 28 to 43% of outpatient antibiotic delivery costs. And in 2015, there was an economic model analysis that showed that PICC lines were a key driver of total outpatient antibiotic costs. The average per patient cost of PICC line placement was over $800, and each complication was over $200. Long acting lipoglycopeptides for the treatment of acute bacterial skin and skin structure infections may have a role in reducing hospitalizations and improving adherence in non-adherent patient populations. And there are two areas where 
long-acting lipoglycopeptides may be implemented. First is to avert inpatient admission altogether. And second is to facilitate early discharge in, in previously admitted patients. There are several key factors to consider for optimal implementation of long-acting lipoglycopeptides. First is cost justification. As these agents have high direct drug acquisition costs, it's important to consider how to optimize their use so that it's feasible for your healthcare system. Second is identifying a target patient population, which optimally benefits from these therapies. Third is identifying the optimal place to infuse these agents, whether that be your emergency department, your observation settings, or outpatient infusions. Finally, it's important to think about how to maximize the institutional impact of these, these agents for maximal healthcare efficiency, costs, and benefit to your patient population. So let's first talk about cost justification. Since approval of the long-acting lipoglycopeptides, many studies have supported the cost effectiveness of these agents. These agents have generally been compared to IV and oral agents in different locations, such as ED, observation areas, inpatient, and ambulatory settings. The cost effectiveness of these agents has been supported with different payer mixes and have largely found significant cost savings from hospital admission avoidance, shorter length of stay, and reduced readmission rates. However, selected studies have also challenged the cost effectiveness of these agents. In two studies in particular, these therapies were found to have higher total costs of care per patient and net costs in both the ED setting and ambulatory after discharge. The discrepancies in these cost outcomes highlight the importance of the appropriate patient selection, infusion location, and really understanding the reimbursement that your institution is getting from these long-acting lipoglycopeptides. Given these conflicting cost outcomes, targeting the optimal patient population is key to implementation of long-acting lipoglycopeptides. Here's an example of defining an optimal patient population to use long-acting lipoglycopeptides in. In this protocol, long-acting lipoglycopeptides should be considered if available oral agents have a prohibitive safety profile, there are potential issues with GI absorption, there are significant doubts about the patient adherence to oral therapies, and this includes things like homelessness, incarceration, or living in a rural location, if patients perhaps have poor mental or physical health and are unable to take oral therapies, or patients who inject drugs who may be at risk of significant um, lapses in adherence. Patients with mild to moderate systemic signs of infection where traditional IV therapies may have been considered, but you'd like to avoid inpatient admission or placement of a central line. Long-acting should also be avoided if there's concern for necrotizing fasciitis or other infection besides SSTI, including a polymicrobial infection or an infection where the long-acting lipoglycopeptide may not have sufficient in vitro activity. It's also important to define sites of infection which may be at higher risk, including orbital cellulitis. Okay, so let's put together optimal patient population and look at how that actually impacts cost. In this study, aritamancin was used in the ED and OB setting and was associated with substantial cost savings versus inpatient vancomycin based on a decision analytic cost minimization model. The cost minimization model evaluated four different scenarios. First, it evaluated a advancement treatment in the ED, and that was associated with a total cost savings per patient of roughly $3,100. Uh, 
In scenario two, a writ of answer was provided in the observation setting and was associated with a cost savings of a little over $2,000. In scenario three, patients were stratified by the Charleston Comorbidity Index or their comorbidity burden. If they had a low comorbidity burden, patients were treated in the ED. And if patients had a comorbidity, they were treated in the observation setting. We can see for scenario three that the total cost savings per patient was $2,800, which is higher than treating all patients in the observation unit, but provides the benefit of, of being able to observe patients who perhaps are at higher risk of delayed response or need for admission. In scenario four, patients were stratified by the presence of systemic symptoms. Those with no systemic symptoms were treated in the ED, and those with systemic symptoms were treated in the observation unit. In this scenario, the total savings per patient was just over $3,000, which mirrors that of scenario one, suggesting that scenario four may be an optimal way to stratify patients for use of aritabansin. Overall, the estimated savings of the, these stratified approaches was between $1,700 and $6,400 per patient, depending on the Charleston comorbidity score, the presence of systemic symptoms, and the use of observation status. As we can see from the previous study, the location of infusions is an important factor to consider when implementing long-acting lipoglycopeptides at your institution. Let's take a look at the different locations that long-acting lipoglycopeptides can be implemented at. First, long-actings can be used at an infusion center at home with OPAT. This has the benefit of allowing patients to return to activities of daily living. It generally has favorable reimbursement since pre-authorization is not needed. This can decrease the healthcare burden on the ED and hospital. However, it does have some downsides. It requires home health and infusion services, which can be challenging to navigate. Second, there are often insurance challenges um, with obtaining approval for home services, and this could result in delays in therapy and progression to more severe disease. Finally, there is a need to follow up to receive treatment. And so patients are at risk of not ad adhering to therapy. Another setting where long actings can be implemented are in observation units or the emergency department. This has the benefit of increased healthcare provider oversight in that you can ensure that the treatment is given and that there is adequate response to treatment initially. This improves the access to the medications, including uninsured patients who may not be candidates for home infusion or OPAT. This also permits avoidance of hospital admission in patients who are responding well. One of the drawbacks of this approach is billing and reimbursement is less transparent, and so it's important to understand reimbursement for insur insurers ahead of time. Finally, these agents can be given during an inpatient hospitalization. This has the benefit of even greater healthcare provider oversight in that you're able to assess the treatment response over the course of a few days this has the drawback of increased costs in that medication reimbursement is typically limited. When implementing long-acting lipoglycopeptides, it's important to maximize the institutional impact. First, let's take a look at implementation of long-acting lipoglycopeptides in the emergency department. This is the advanced study. This was a quasi-experimental study comparing usual care in a pre-intervention cohort versus the implementation of a long-acting lipoglycopeptide clinical pathway at 11 US hospitals. This study included adult patients with moderately severe skin and soft tissue infection who had an indication for IV antibiotics. And this included our FDA definition of skin and soft tissue infection, including cellulitis, wound infection, or abscesses greater than 75 centimeters squared. 
Notably, they excluded patients with unstable comorbidities, immunosuppression, injection drug use, or with infection at high-risk sites. The implementation of this clinical pathway included selecting patients for a single IV dalbavantin dose and then following them up with a 24-hour phone call and a 48- to 72-hour follow-up visit. Implementation of this pathway resulted in a 20% decrease in the hospitalization rate at time of initial care and through day 44 resulted in a 16% decrease in hospitalization. So we can see that the implementation of a long-acting lipoglycopeptide pathway is a great way to avoid hospitalization in patients treated in the ED. Long-acting lipoglycopeptides can also be implemented for use in patients admitted with acute bacterial skin and skin structure infections. In the enhanced study, implementation of a pathway with dalbavancin resulted in a shorter hospital length of stay by about one day. And with the pathway, there was a significant improvement in work productivity and the ability to complete daily activities observed. There was no difference in rates of complete response or adverse events. In another study, the use of a pharmacy-led pilot of early directed iridavancin therapy for acute bacterial skin and skin structure infection in the emergency department resulted in a shorter ED length of stay in the pilot arm. And this was associated with a cost savings to the institution of roughly $308,000. This was based on an avoidance of 227 days of inpatient admission, and there was no difference observed in 30-day readmissions. There are also some data showing that ED implementation can be optimized using a telehealth approach. This was a retrospective cohort study by Patel and colleagues comparing outcomes between patients who received dalbavancin as part of standard of care and compared that to a telehealth program. The telehealth program involved a healthcare provider or pharmacist identifying potential candidates for therapy, care managers assessing financial reimbursement of these therapies, and the drug was administered if the criteria was met. Nurse practitioners contacted patients 24 to 72 hours after discharge and reviewed photos from the patient's affected areas. This study showed that eating length of stay was decreased from 25 hours in the standard of care arm to five hours in the telehealth arm. It also showed that the time to dalbavancin was decreased from nine hours to four hours. In summary, this shows that a telehealth program is able to further maximize the institutional impact of implementing long-acting lipoglycopeptides. There are several other considerations when implementing long-acting lipoglycopeptides. Let's review the available long-acting lipoglycopeptide products. One of the key differentiating factors for the long-acting lipoglycopeptides, particularly as it relates to the infusion setting, is the infusion time. Dalbavancin is infused over 30 minutes, whereas aritavancin can be infused over three hours as the original formulation or one hour as the new formulation. The total volume of these infusions varies significantly by the formulation used, and that may impact whether you're likely to use these in patients with comorbidities such as heart failure or renal dysfunction. It's also important to recognize that aritavancin has drug-drug interactions in the form of weak CYP3A4 and 2D6 in induction, weak 2C9 and 19 inhibition, and may interfere with coagulation testing. Both of these agents have broad gram-positive activity. Dalbavancin has activity against vancomycin-resistant enterococcus due to VAN-B, whereas aritavancin has VRE activity against VAN-A and VAN-B and includes activity against vancomycin-resistant staph aureus. 
It's also important to understand that susceptibility testing is not routinely performed, and often vancomycin is used as a surrogate for susceptibility. It's important when implementing long-acting lipoglycopeptides to identify barriers and provide solutions to those barriers. First, providers often have a lack of familiarity with these medications, so it's important to provide education to healthcare providers, including physicians, advanced practitioners, nursing, and other pharmacists to ensure that there's multidisciplinary buy-in for implementation. Second, there's often difficulties selecting the appropriate patients. This is where it's important to create a protocol that can firmly identify your patients and then routinely assess adherence to the protocol. There's several factors that you should consider when you're navigating the reimbursement process. First is thinking about coverage based on the site of administration. There are unique billing strategies for inpatient versus outpatient care that should be considered. You should think about whether the patients are using these medications for approved ICD-10 codes and whether agents are being used on label. For example, Medicare coverage may only be feasible for on-label use. For drug acquisition, many centers are 340B eligible and may be eligible for drug acquisition at a reduced pricing. Finally, both Dalbavancin and Aritavancin have patient assistance programs available from the manufacturers where medication vials may be sent directly from the company to the institution at no cost for qualifying patients. So it's important to explore those options. There are a few take-home points here today. Long-acting lipoglycopeptides are safe and efficacious options for the treatment of acute bacterial skin and skin structure infections. Implementing long-acting lipoglycopeptides in the clinical practice can be challenging. There are logistical, billing, and cost issues that create significant hurdles for healthcare providers. Successful implementation relies on protocolizing use for your target population in a setting that's financially feasible for your institution. Support for continued use of long-acting lipoglycopeptides can be established by maximizing your institutional impact and showing real value to your institution, such as decreased hospital admissions and decreasing the length of stay of your patients. Thank you for joining us today. Go online for more clinical care options activities on skin and skin structure infections. Thank you to Dr. Molina and thank you to our listeners for joining in. To listen to more episodes in this series and to see the slides on treatment of skin and soft tissue infections, see the links in our show notes. Thank you and have a great day.